Hello and welcome to the final IBMS pod of 2022. In this last installment of the year, we unearthed a great interview recorded at IBMS Congress. In this episode, we're talking all things CPD with Mark Cioni, a senior lecturer in biomedical science at Nottingham Trent University and also the winner of a Science Council CPD award. So let's jump straight into our conversation with Mark. So we are joined today by Mark Cioni, a senior lecturer at Nottingham Trent University. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. That's not a problem. Perfect. So let's kick off by, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, what your job is? Yeah, so at the moment I'm a senior lecturer, senior lecturer in biomedical science at Nottingham Trent University and I've been there for about three and a half years. And how did you enter the profession? I'm assuming you started off as a biomedical scientist. Yes, yes. So I initially finished my degree at Staffordshire University with a biochemistry and microbiology degree and went straight into uh, the path labs. But because the degree wasn't uh, IBMS accredited, I had to do top-up modules. So that was the first year of the Masters at Manchester Metropolitan University. Uh, And that allowed me to become state registered. And then I went straight into an MSc. So I worked my way through to senior level over in Stoke and then I got the opportunity of a a promotion back to the East Coast where I was born and went back over there as lab manager and again worked my way up to become service manager for the countywide Pathlinks Pathology Service Uh, and then I I felt after about 13 years of being with Pathlinks I needed to do something different so this was great because not only is it something completely different to working in the lab it's related you know rather than going off and being a window cleaner or stacking shelves in Tesco, (laughs) it's now helping bring the next round of biomedical scientists on. Was it a tricky transition to make? No, not really, because obviously when you do things like your MSCs and things, you quite often do presentations, certainly as a service level, service manager level, you're always presenting at various bits and pieces. I did quite a lot of work with NHS Improvement, uh, with Lean, yeah. So introducing Lean into the lab, so I did a couple of national conferences there. So standing up and speaking to people, even if it was only the huddles every morning and every afternoon in the lab, became something you did. So yeah. the transition, it wasn't as difficult as it could have been because I was used to talking to people, but obviously when you've got a room full of 300 students staring at you <laughs> and you're there with your little clicker and your PowerPoint presentation, it can be a little daunting, but you soon get over that. Mm. Yeah, of course. And what's it been like in the pandemic with the students? Has, has it been it's a, been a very lot of difficult. It's, we, we initially had to go completely, well, we had to turn on a sixpence, to be quite honest. We went from, I think there was one week where I changed the, an exam about three different times because we were getting different guidance from the university. It needed to be done this way and then, oh, change our mind, we do it this way. So, But certainly the, the switch to online learning only for the initial part of the pandemic was, was quite difficult for some students. Um, when you canvass the students, you do get different opinions. You know, 50% of the students really like asynchronous learning. Yeah. They can do it in their own time. If they don't hear something, they can re-listen to the recording. We tended to break down lectures into five or 10 minute chunks. So it was small videos, not yeah. here's an hour's recording for you. But subsequently, the other of the half preferred the structure of uh, a live lecture and they just really couldn't cope too well with asynchronous learning and they became demotivated and just didn't engage so it it was a very difficult split because everybody learns differently and if you just say this is the way you have to learn at the minute because it's all we can do uh, it it can disadvantage some students more than others. Are you back Uh, to live lectures now? Yeah we were 
back to live lectures as soon as we could. So for the end of the last academic year, we were quite blended. So we had a mixture of online live and asynchronous and face-to-face. -face. Now we've got to at least have 75% face-to-face. And for the next academic year, we're back to 100% face-to-face. So we were quite early in adopting uh, more online live versus asynchronous and back to face-to-face -to -face learning. And are there any lessons from the way you had to adapt in the pandemic that the university will be taking forward? I know you said back to 100% live, but will anything yeah, else have changed? I think certainly in the provision of the way we structure our module learning rooms. So we've learned a lot from uh, content production. Uh, we learn a lot about things like accessibility. So all of the accessibility stuff we had to really start from scratch with, but now you find that as you're producing your PowerPoint presentations, accessibility is built in. Yeah. So when you load up to a module learning room, it's generally got quite high accessibility and you just got to do a few tweaks. Whereas before it was getting PowerPoint presentation more or less rebuild it to make, make it accessible. So I think there are, there's definitely some, some of the learning how to structure module learning rooms and how to structure your content will, will carry forward even though we're now back to face-to-face -to -face teaching. Brilliant. And you recently won an award, Mark, yes. a CPD award. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about how that came about? Um, well, obviously I've been doing CPD ever since I was in the lab and it's something that I've managed to, to carry on. Um, and I got picked for the uh, Science Council audit. I've been a chartered scientist for two years at that point and I think it was the first cycle. So okay. they got picked, I got picked out. Um, I did my submission sent it through and it came back as highly commended from the um, auditing board and they suggested that it ought to be put through uh, for consideration for the award. So because the information was there and it was just a case of uh, adapting uh, my, my portfolio to fit in with the, uh, the nomination, I thought, why not? So, yeah. so I just submitted my, uh, my portfolio based on the advice to do so. What was so good about your portfolio? Why did it stand out, do you think? I think they did say specifically it was how I related my CPD to my professional development and the development of others. They were the two things that really stood out to the um, auditing panel. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's any correlation between you teaching people and your, and your own CPD. So, so you're, you're very good at explaining things yeah. and linking things together. Do you think you took any lessons from your professional life and, and put that into yeah, your CPD? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, certainly when you're working in the NHS, you've always got a patient focus. Mm. And working at the university, I've now got a student focus, so it's flipped. So that, what does my education, my training, my development mean for others? That's always been quite high on my priority list. So when it came to do the application for the CPD award that was very easy a very easy section for me to complete and obviously one that was commended by the auditing panel nice and how, how do you decide what CPD you're going to do have, have you got kind of at the start of the year have you got thoughts of I need to do this 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 do you stumble across it in your life uh, it's a, a bit of both really obviously when I went from a biomedical scientist in the lab to lecturer at the university there was a lot of structured learning because I had to do a teaching qualification. Mm. So I did a postgraduate diploma in uh, academic practice and I've also done an apprenticeship myself. So there were basically two teaching qualifications that I had to do. So 
the first couple of years at NTU, it was very pedagogically based, yes. my, my CPD. So mm. it was all about teaching and learning and the various methods and theories of teaching and learning. I wanted to try and get away from that a little bit and bring a bit more science back into uh, my CPD. So from last new year, I've also been bringing some science back. Uh, so yeah. What kind uh, of stuff were you doing? In when I was started at Nottingham Trent University. Yeah, well, as a science for your CPD, what kind of activities? Uh, I did the, quite a lot of the journal-based learning. Yeah. I watched a lot of science programs on telly, so and listened to the radio quite a lot. So you do tend to pick things up, and that's one of the things that I've mentioned a couple of times when I've discussed my CPD. It's things that you encounter in everyday life that you just don't think are CPD, but yeah. they are. So one of my keys is I've got a CPD diary that I take everywhere. And I just oh, nice. jot down in the CPD diary things I do during the day. There are things that I know have an element of CPD and I highlight them with an asterisk. And then I just jot down other things. And then on reflection, when you go to put your daily jottings into your CPD profile, you think, well, I didn't think there was an element to CPD in that that I did. But two days later, I was able to give that information to somebody else and that's benefited them. So you do find elements of CPD that you don't think are there do creep into your portfolio. Mm. It sounds like you're incredibly organised in yeah. your job. <laughs> are you ever tempted to leave things till the last minute or it sounds like no. you're quite a structured man who no, likes to work my OCD won't let me won't let me do anything <laughs> last minute. If I get a task to do, I do it, do it early uh, mm. and make sure it's done and then I can forget about it because generally there's something else that comes in. Yeah. I'm always panicked if I leave it late, I'm going to suddenly have five or six deadlines coming all at once. I'd rather get them spaced <clears throat> out. Uh, do you manage to drill that into your students, that message? <laughs> Again, some of the students are relatively uh, relatively organised, but obviously you, you are able to give some students some hints and tips on, on how to become a little bit more organised by using certain different techniques, like using a diary or using an Outlook calendar. You know, if students are struggling with all their assessment and feedback, I say get a yearly calendar and write on it when your work's being set, when it's due, uh, just so they can have that. And they look at it every day. It's on the wall. They don't need to open up the computer or anything. It's just staring at them all the time. And what would be your top tips for people who are struggling with their CPD? Top tips if they're struggling, uh, I think that will possibly be to, to have a, a think about things that they do uh, and how that's relatable to, to other people. It's, and try and think outside of structured CPD activities. Perfect. I'm going to hand you over to Jordan. Um, so I've got a few questions concerning the Science Council. Okay. You won, so you won the award for the CPD, the CPD awards in the Chartered Scientist category. category yes. So Registered Chartered Scientist. Yes. When did you become a Registered Chartered Scientist and what made you want to apply to become that? Uh, I think when I was working uh, in the NHS, certainly later on in my career, I, I was so busy that I didn't have time to really um, engage too much with the profession. I was doing it, but I wasn't really engaging with the, you know, the, the bodies, the IBMS and the HCPC. So when I moved over to Nottingham Trent University, um, they gave me some development time uh, that I was able to use and one of the things that I was advised to do was try to get onto the specialist advisory panel for microbiology okay. uh, because I knew that there was an opening there but obviously to become a specialist to become a member of the specialist advisory panel you need to become a, a chartered scientist 
So I became a charter scientist and then as soon as I got my charter scientist, I applied for the specialist advisory panel. So it was like co-linked really. Yeah. And what have been the main benefits to you of being registered at um, Science Council? I think it's allowed me to become a, a lot more involved with the profession from y y a higher level. Yeah. Because now I'm a member of the uh, Specialist Advisory Panel, it feeds into things like uh, national standard methods, NICE guidance, um, some of the uh, government consultations that are going on at the moment about um, lateral flow tests and quality, uh, quality of testing basically. So yeah, it feeds into quite a lot of national documents. Okay. And do you feel it helps progress your career by having that status? It does, it certainly gets your profile. Your profile is um, is a lot higher. Mm. I mean, obviously since I've won the award, I've been on, um, I've been in IBMS publications, I've been in Science Council publications, yeah. I've been in publications through the university, and mm. all of that brings your profile out, not only your profile, mm. but the profile of the job you do and the job you did and the IBMS, HCPC, et cetera. Yeah. Do you feel like you're part of a wider professional network? Yes, you always know that you've got that network behind you. It's like a biomedical scientist always knows they've got the IBMS behind them. If you've got anything uh, scientific related, you know, on a more general note that's not necessarily to do with the profession, you've always got that backup of a network of uh, scientists. Yeah. And would you encourage IBMS members to apply? Uh, definitely, yes, I, I certainly would. Yeah. Uh, myself and a, a colleague of mine at NTU, we act as registration champions uh, within Nottingham Trent University. So if anybody wants to uh, register as either a chartered scientist or a chartered scientist technician, mm -hmm. we've got some of the technicians in our super lab that have got uh, registered status now. We just help them through the process, help them through the application. We get at it, we, we look at their application give them ideas of how they can improve it or just general advice. Yeah. And what hints and tips would you have for members going through the application process? I think the application process is relatively straightforward. The key is to make sure that you have all your CPD log because they do require the evidence of your, your CPD. So everything centers around the CPD really. But overall it's, it's quite an easy process to yes. do once you've got the advice and the CPD. Yes. And um, yeah, straightforward. Yes, I, what I'd say is if anybody wants to, to become a charter scientist, just have a look on the, the, the website, mm. find out what you need to do, have a look at the application form, then go away uh, and just stand back and think, right, okay, if I know I need to do that and my CPD looks like this, is there anything that I need to do to get it in the format for the application? Does it need reformatting? Do I need to do a little bit extra in certain areas? And then go back to do your application. Okay, all right, thanks for that. That was my section on um, Science Council. Perfect. So we'll just end the podcast with a few quick fire questions. I'm going to start three sentences, Mark. Okay. And I'd like you to finish each sentence for me. So the first one is, the best thing about my job is... Being able to uh, influence the next, uh, the next batch of biomedical scientists going into the profession. Question, or the sentence number two is, the proudest moment of my career is... That will probably be uh, winning the Chief Scientific Officer's Award for Clinical Leadership when I introduce a 24-hour working into our local microbiology lab. Great. And finally, the one piece of advice I would give a budding biomedical scientist is... Work hard. A great note to end on. Mark Journey, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. 
These podcasts are released monthly at the same time the magazine comes out. So whenever a new issue lands on your doormat, head back online to listen to a new episode. And don't forget that these podcasts can be used for your CPD. Take care and bye.